Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. And this week we're talking about number 190 on the list of the 250 greatest movies of all time as voted for by IMDb users. Terry George's Hotel Rwanda, released in 2004, entering the list in January 2005, reaching a peak uh, of the top 50s um, and then sort of gradually declining over time. So it's now at 190 where it seems to have stabilized since early last year. Um, This is quite a film and I'm actually quite curious how we're going to talk about it because on this podcast we we tend to be quite light and 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 playful and sort of we tend to be you know it's irreverent irreverent one of us especially uh to be flippant and stuff because it is it is a it's a podcast that we started out thinking it would be a fun fun thing to do and it mostly is but occasionally when dealing with a list like this and in fact one of the reasons why we chose the imdb list was because it was populated with movies that were kind of populous and accessible you weren't going to get a you know it wasn't like an an afi list or whatever where you'd have a lot of really solemn and sort of you know that would require very dignified commentary upon but still on on the list there are movies that are a bit heavier than others and hotel rwanda i would argue is one of them yeah it's uh uh, schindler's list is another one in in fact this this has been called the um, African Schindler's List or Rwandan Schindler's List in some places. It is indeed. Life is Beautiful is also on the list, actually, as well. So there, there are a number of movies covering uh, genocide and, and that sort of stuff on here. Yeah. Hotel Rwanda is one of those. It was released in 2004, uh, the 10th anniversary of the Rwandan genocide, which happened uh, between April and July 1994. It was uh, around 100 days, I think. It was indeed. It lasted roughly 100 days. And the mourning period that they've implemented there at the moment uh, is 100 days as well it begins at the start of april i think around the 7th and continues through to july i think uh, it ends july 4th yeah as well which would sort of bring so it, that would be about 100 days it is um it is a, a harrowing uh true life account basically um this is based true on story yeah. it, it is it's based on the book by uh paul rusenbego uh, Rusa Begina. Rusa Begina. Sorry, apologies. I'm um, I'm I'm probably not quite getting it. Either, either, I think you're either. a lot closer though. Yeah. Um, but it is it's R- Rus- Rusa Begina. Like in 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 the movie, it's kind of said like it's two words uh, hyphenated, but when it's spelt, it's just the one. Yeah. So it is. It's um. It is a harrowing true story of the atrocities that happened in Rwanda uh, when the Hutu majority turned on the Tutsi minority, um, and basically exacted um a, a horrible sort of, of violence uh, campaign of violence against them uh, it's something that is hugely you know it, it defines rwanda to this day and it in many ways defines uh, the western world's sort of attitude towards humanitarian intervention to, yeah. to this day as well it's it's an event that's almost impossible to to talk about it's like people don't even know how many people died during the genocide there's estimates conservative estimates say somewhere around half a million it could have been way more than way yeah it could have been over a million as well i mean well you 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 also have so so this this started with the assassination of the long-standing president of rwanda i guess pretty almost since it's independence in, in inception where 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 it's sep- it's separated from Burundi, it used to be a R- R- Rwanda Rundi, which which was under the control of, of first um, German. Germany and then the Belgians from around nineteen sixteen, um. So it's the murder of President Juvenal, um, Habia Romana. Well, I mean, like um, which 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 kind of s- sparked this 
gen- genocide, but but it has very long historical roots. It is. It's it's as with any story of ethnic strife and struggle, it's something that's very hard to untangle. And again, we should clarify: uh, you probably shouldn't come to us for information no, about the Rwanda genocide. No, definitely not. No. Um, like we we appreciate the faith that you're putting. This in us. can be your starting point, as <laughs> as 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 it has been ours. Yes, uh, for learning about this. But yeah, so basically, um, the situation was that Rwanda, what, what would become Rwanda, I believe, was originally settled by the Twa people, who are a pygmy population who now t- make up one percent of the Rwandan population. There are na- what are now defined as two different ethnic groups, the Hutu and the Tutsis. There is some discussion as to whether or not there is any historical basis for yeah. that division. Um, the film the film sort of glosses over it. The film understandably doesn't want to get stuck in exposition, sort of background stuff. I but- think they take it as a fact that they're two racial groups. The uh, But a, 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 a lot of that, some some of that had already been developed in, in the kind of majority Tutsi governments of the 19th century but it was certainly enforced by well, by the belgian historically historically the difference between the hutu uh, the the hutu and the tutsi had been that the hutu were considered farmers uh, agricultural like they grew land well, they grew plants yeah. and food on was, land was, whereas the tutsi uh, farmed uh, animals they were herd animals and so they sort of not herd animals but they were they farmed herd animals so they do ca- they did cattle and sheep and goats and stuff I mean, and uh, basically as a result of that a social sort of division arose where the, yeah. the Tutsi in most societies, most agrarian societies, those who are in charge of herd animals are, are considered, you know, historically speaking, to have been higher up the social strata than those who who farm produce. And as a result, the, the Tutsi kind of came to power. And then obviously when the colonial forces arrived, the, the Tutsi used uh, the Germans and later the Belgians in order to solidify their, their hold over the country. Now you got to yeah. keep in mind, Historically speaking, there was no real division between the two. In fact, it was quite possible for members of the Hutu um, to, to pass and to become yeah. Tutsi through marriage or even through like social ascent, through like, uh, you know, managing a farm well enough to buy um, herd animals and ascending true, the social strata. corruption. Yeah, and social strata and stuff like that. The issue is that when the Belgians took over, well, first of all, when the Europeans took over, uh, the Germans in general, and then later the Belgians, they seized upon the idea that the Tutsis were descendants of Ethiopians. And again, this is like the horrible, crazy, like toxic residue of like racially motivated science where you have this sort of, and you still, like you still see it today, um, not to get too pointed on it, but you still have this horrible, like pseudo-scientific dressed up nonsense where you believe that people of, of different like racial backgrounds you know that you can distinguish in a very clear and meaningful way when, when you really can't but the germans uh, and the belgians argued that the tutsi were descended from ethiopians uh, and ethiopians had traditionally been seen as and i feel really sick just talking about this to be honest but the germans and, and belgians believed the ethiopians were more like europeans because they were light-skinned uh they were taller um they had and in the film, they talk about how they would measure the noses in order to determine whether or not a person was Tutsi or, or Hutu. Yeah, um, and they classified these things as well. They introduced the, the identity kind cards. of identity, which which we see still in in uh, in in this movie in 1994. Well, the, the issue with the identity cards is, is twofold. First of all, in the immediate term, the, uh, re- the use of the identity card by the Belgians made it impossible for yeah, the Hutu to to migrate and become the sort of elevated Tutsi class. It basically solidified the class strata. Um, and then it also made it very easy, as you see in this movie, for later on... For to, the inter Yeah, to, to distinguish and to identify 
and made it very difficult for people who were Tutsi to pretend to be Hutu or to get out because they would literally and like I I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in this. I am not an expert in this. I All right. I, I did some I, research yeah. over the week as I normally do when I I do podcasts. I don't want to sound like an idiot and um a lot of the stuff I read is not and this is this is like it's, me reading about this is not the worst thing that ever happened. But it it's horrifying to get a sense of what happened and how it happened and how casually it happened. But you would have stories of people driving up to roadblocks being asked for their um their IDs. And and we'll include these first hand accounts in the show notes. Uh, being asked for their IDs that would identify them as Hutu or Tutsi and being executed literally on the side of the road as a result of, of that data, um, as a result of that card. Um, and it is it is harrowing, and it is terrifying, and it is shocking. And one of the things about the Rwandan genocide that is, like, genocide is, is not something unique in human history. There's a, there's a long trail of it. There's a long history of it. Like, you can obviously point to the Holocaust. Yeah. You can point to the Armenian genocide. You've got all, the, all these precedents there's, and stuff like that. There's also the record of the, the Tutsi genocide against the hutus which which i i i i suppose might might have precipitated the 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 the, the um i'm probably i i actually I, I don't want to get any of this wrong but the 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 hutu revolution in i think it was 59 which as i understand it was a reaction to some yeah. of the kind of uh, the policies enacted by the Tutsis yeah, um, and, yeah. and the government. So I don't know. Somebody, I don't know if it was genocide, but it was basically uh, the, the, the Hutu yeah. were treated so, as second-class citizens and oppressed by the Tutsis. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's classed as genocide, but they're they're kind of like murders and burnings of houses and that sort of thing, which yeah. which which kind of, I suppose, well, by some accounts, kind of led led to the end of the of the long uh, Tutsi control of, of of the country of, and the region, uh, Rwanda, Rundi. Yeah. But um, one of the things that is shocking about the, well, not one of the things, but like what's particularly striking about the Rwandan genocide in terms of its position in, in like the history of these sorts of atrocities is the relative speed of it. The, the, capaci- the capacity of, of the people involved and, and the, the efficiency of what happened, which is remarkable because... Andrew mentioned the assassination of of the Hutu uh, president, yeah, and which is a kind of a mystery. But like the suspicion seems, uh, well, I, I mean, there's there's ev- there's accounts in both directions. But it was either, well, it, it 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 may have been a number of actors, but the 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 two main kind of culprits are supporters of um, Hutu power are are closer factions. Within um, the military, which, so. within the military, or the government to to the president, and the other option is that it was the uh, Rwandan Patriotic Front, which who, are the Tutsi uh, rebels, yeah, who we see later in the movie, yeah, who 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 are now um, Paul Kagame, who is, is currently president of, yes. uh, of of Rwanda and has been for quite a while I since as well. since two thousand. So for the last seventeen years, he he was de facto leader from. Pretty much the end of the genocide yeah. as as he le- he, re- he read the, he led the um the rebels in I believe yeah um, and and I think he he had a role as both vice president and minister of defense um and, and, and now and now of course president and it is uh, but one of the things that is most striking when you read accounts of it is how quickly it happened the yeah. assassination happened on the sixth of April I believe 
And apparently the first accounts of the, the attacks uh, came in the following day. It was pretty much immediately it after, was, which, 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 which bring the kind of suspicions that it was somehow... Orchestrated. Yeah. Uh, but the the thing about the Rwanda genocide is that it's it's not the most horrific genocide in terms of the amount of people killed. It's, it's not the most organized of genocides in human history, but it is the quickest. It was 100 days... Um, and between half a million and one million people were killed by their neighbors and by their friends. And it happened instantly. That that sort of efficiency, the Pol, Pol Pot regime uh, could not kill that many people that quickly. The Nazis um, killed more people, but did not kill them that quickly. And it, it, it's remarkable just contemplating the speed with which people turned or seemed to turn. Um, and and I mean even today it, it's the same thing with with any any incident like this and you have it with say you know the Nazification of Germany after the Second World War but the issue with Rwanda is that like in the years since you have the the Hutu and the Tutsi trying to live together in harmony after this happened because you you also have the 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 mass refugee exodus of of Hutus following the genocide yeah. so into the into the, the Congo which... and yeah and and and, and, and into um Zaire and and uh, well I sorry and um which and 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 the kind of aftermath of this being the first and second Congo wars or, or the or the great african wars where yeah. where there, there is kind of like two or two and a half million dead from um i guess mo, 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 um i believe mostly from kind of disease and famine so so w- w- one yeah. one of the most um devastating Conflicts wars in, yeah. um since since world war Two, and it is fascinating to think about how much of this happens and how little of it we know or are taught or discussed because i mean it's it's kind of touched on in the movie yeah oh no we, it's, it's very we, much a point we, of the movie we have a moment um so, uh, like, I suppose you can't really uh, spoil, spoil a movie, historical yeah. movie, but there, there's a moment where uh, it appears Joaquin in the trailer Phoenix's, as well. Yeah, it appears uh, in the trailer as well because it's, it's the most definitive moment. I would argue it's one of the definitive moments yeah. of the film. It's the moment where Joaquin Phoenix, who is playing a cameraman who is, is reporting on this for, I believe, the BBC World Service uh, with David O'Hare. With the, th- with the thickest, um, it's not BBC inflection. In the, it's like, uh, it's, uh, from from Rwanda, we're reporting now. And, and, uh, well, it is David O'Hare working yeah. with Terry George, so he will yeah. have a bit of, like, yeah. he, he only... <laughs> I, I, I can imagine, yeah, that it gets uh, dubbed in post when, it, when it's about... <laughs> to kind of broadcast. broadcast. Yeah, they, that's the reason why the coverage had his thick accent because they had to get it in front of the 6-1 <laughs> like, News. Can we get someone to replace uh, our own reporter and also to replace this UN General Oliver? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're supporting the efforts here in Rwanda. <laughs> uh, I, I do like that they apparently, yeah, they changed, well, okay, obviously. They got the most gravelly voice two people <laughs> they could find. Yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, to report on the genocide. But there is a moment where Joaquin Phoenix's character, where um, where Paul, who is is managing the situation and is trying to keep things under control at the hotel, it's quite early in the film, uh, but when he discovers that the BBC World Service has got footage of these horrible massacres taking place, like actually filmed people with machetes in, yeah. in the street cutting people down, 
and and he's he's you know obviously it's horrifying but part of him is relieved because he genuinely believes that yeah. like when the rest of the world sees what is happening in Rwanda they will have an immediate and and like empathic connection and yeah. will feel the need to intervene and to say no more look we need to fix this yeah and Joaquin Phoenix like sees him and then listens to him say this and sort of just looks at him like a lost puppy and it happens quite a bit several other characters also kind of look at Paul like this as if well, you know his yeah. faith that he puts in like the, the outside world the western world is misplaced so Joaquin and- Phoenix's initial reaction is is very cyn- cynical yeah it's, it's, and it be, be, because Paul, Paul's reaction is now they can't ignore this yeah this is great that 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 I don't think it's even now they can't ignore this. It's like now, now they, they will have know. to do something. Yeah, now, now they, they must know. intervene. Yeah. And and Joaquin Phoenix says no. They're just going to see it and think how horrible. And then they'll go back to having their dinner. Yeah. And it is in many ways I think like that's not an unfair comment on what happened in, in Rwanda. I mean famously the UN apologized in I think 2000 and apologized again in 2014 on the 20th anniversary of the of the of the genocide basically apologizing saying that they did not do what they should have done or what they could have done uh bill clinton who makes a small cameo uh, in the film in a very pointed scene where paul is saying i wish there was more i could do if you look over the shoulder of the refugees that he's trying to console you can see a picture of bill clinton as man of the year on the cover of time uh, which feels like a very pointed reference. Well, Clinton has singled this out as the greatest disappointment of his presidency. And it's been suggested that his intervention in Eastern Europe was in some ways uh, suggested as an attempt to atone for this. He he didn't intervene because of the incident Mogadishu. in Somalia. Yes. Yeah. Where three US soldiers were brutally murdered and their remains dragged through the street by rebels for the world to see. Um, and, and actually, in fairness, so that's partly what happened in, in Rwanda as well with the Belgian forces. Um, and, and we'll probably talk a little bit about this in the spoiler zone. But the Belgian forces had initially with the UN taken a more active role. They had, and it's mentioned in the film, um, the character of Oliver, um, who's based on, I think, Dallaire, um, had basically explains that he had assigned 10 of his men to protect the female prime minister of Rwanda, uh, and they actually tried it's, to get her on the Hutu power radio station to try and calm things down, but they were told not. But his his ten men were brutally murdered by um by basically by the Hutu rebels, um and tortured, and the the again graphically and and horribly tortured. Um, the general responsible is now in prison in Belgium um, as a result of, of his actions. But that, in many ways, sort of that that incident is cited as what scared the UN peacekeepers off of acting in, in trying to intervene or trying to get directly involved. Yeah. Whereas Clinton already had kind of, um, was, I, I suppose, fresh from the um, a, a experience in Somalia, with yeah. the, the, which, which, which I suppose anyone who's seen Black Hawk Down will be familiar yeah. with. And then there is, and I think it's, it's interesting, you could argue that maybe in some ways this foreign intervention goes in cycles, where something horrible happens and the Western world intervenes and it goes horribly wrong, like in, say, Somalia. And as a result, the politicians involved pull back and say no. And then something horrible They're, happens yeah. and they don't get involved like Rwanda. And then next time they do, like I would argue... And I, I, I think in the early noughties, there was a kind of like, um, began to, to be a, a kind of like a cynicism and a disengagement, um, especially... Um, well, after Iraq, I would argue. Yeah, like, that's what... of, um, uh, to, to towards the United Nations. I was listening to Steven Pinker talk about this there's sometimes kind of like a public perception 
about the efficacy of um, one of the examples that he used was peacekeeping forces, because we have examples where we uh, where where there were peacekeeping forces in place uh, that weren't able to prevent um, these uh, genocides or these um, civil wars are um, from from taking place. He was able to point to like statistically speaking conflicts where you have these peacekeeping forces in place tend to work more often than they don't yeah and it's only the examples where they don't that you don't hear about like i mean ireland is very proud of our, our involvement yeah. in international peacekeeping particularly with the un i know ghana is also very very proud as well ghana was also um involved in the rwandan case as well they were they were also involved with the belgians uh, in attempting to try and stabilize the situation early no, on I'm, as well I'm, my 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 own brother that i'm very proud of has has has, has served as a peacekeeper in in the middle east um, said and and it's it's something it's something that, that that we can be very proud of as irish people yeah um but i mean i think though in in this case it's it's a very fair criticism that the western world didn't do anything it, it just stood by and watched i mean the it's spoils nothing to like we're talking about the rwanda genocide we're not talking about the film like at the rwandan genocide ended when a force of 30,000, right, 30,000, that's all it took, 30,000 Tutsi marching into the country with a band of rebels to take it back. Yeah. I mean, that's that's nothing. That's, you could, you know, 30,000 US troops could have been deployed in no time at all. You could have deployed 100,000 with, with a minimum amount of effort. I mean, like, Dallaire, who was the, the Belgian commander, um, who is the inspiration for Nick Nolte's Oliver. Um, and you suspect that they changed the character to be a Canadian when they're like, Nolte, can you do a Belgian accent? And he's like, I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> um, but the Oliver who inspired that and who wrote the, the book Shaking Hands with the Devil, um, who is, sorry, not Oliver, um, Dallaire, who inspired the book, who wrote the book uh, Shake Hands with the Devil. Um, he argued that if he had like 100,000 men, he could have stabilized the country in no time. I think Clinton has actually acknowledged that if the US had gone in, there still would have been acts of acts of horrible violence, but they would have been under control in the first couple of weeks. I mean, there are cases of regions in Rwanda where order was maintained for weeks before the Hutu militias intervened. So you had regions and principalities that were under the control of, say, Tutsi administrators. And they were able to contain the violence out of their principalities or out of their, their sort of regions of yeah. control. Because a lot of the... A lot, um, from, from what I've read, and I'm not an expert, they, um, but, but a, a, a lot of this, I suppose, even at a higher level is kind of contested. But um, from 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 what from what I've read, a lot of it was kind of based on intimidation. So it's kind of like members of uh, some sometimes of um, Hutu power or even uh, members of the army or the gendarmerie intimidating Hutu peoples to get involved in in these militias. Oh yeah, and, and if and, you if you didn't, you were killed. Like I mean, this is the thing. Like yeah, there, because obviously... there were a lot of Hutus killed as well, where where they were considered to be moderate. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they're they're Antoine. like. That's exactly the the Twa are generally regarded as the forgotten victims of the Rwanda genocide as well because they um, they also helped shatter uh, shelter the the Tutsi as well 
But I mean, there there are harrowing stories told. And there's like one example of a guy who worked at the radio station and, and was a moderate. And, and again, I'll, I'll, we'll include all these stories in the show notes. But like he recalls being dragged out of his house because he was moderate, because he he, he thought maybe it was not a good idea to incite genocide over the radio. He recalls being dragged out into the street and being ready to be shot until a general who he recognized, like pulled over to the side of the road and said, hey, don't shoot this guy. And the soldier's like, okay, but we'll we'll get you tomorrow then. Like this, like the thing about the Rwandan genocide is that as as horribly brutal as it was, it seems like it wasn't organized. Like when you compare it to the organization of the regimes, like so the, the Pol Pot or the Nazis, where you had this like, sort of like top down and, and yeah, yeah, and like the the planning that went into the architecture, of- yeah destruction it seems like a lot of a lot of what happened in rwanda was somewhat improvised now of course there are and and the film covers this there was stuff like the importing of arms yes there was the importing of machetes which were bought in bulk um, from china is is his name rotuganda yeah yes where his sort of warehouse which stocks beer and soft drinks is also moving giant crates of of machetes and stuff like that like there's uh, suggestions he's very proud that he got a good deal of uh, on the price of them as well Like the the French, um, interestingly enough, were training the Hutu militias and had been suggested that like the Hutu militias knew what they were going to be using the training for. Like when the French were teaching them crowd control and uh, like, you know, management of civilians in a a crisis zone and sort of suppression and all this sort of stuff that the the Hutu militias knew all along that they would be using this um, basically in in, in pursuit of a genocide of, of the Tutsi. And that's referenced in the movie. Yeah. When Paul needs uh, help from from Sabina, he suggests to them to speak to the French because they're the ones supporting uh, uh, the, Hutu the government. Hutu, yeah, and that the French were indeed the French were. Though again, who who knows what who knew at any point? But it is it is harrowing to even talk about. And like the thing about Hotel Rwanda is that it it made in in many ways. It, it was produced on the tenth anniversary of the Rwanda genocide, and it was around the same time there were a number of other uh, films and stories about the Rwanda genocide coming out. I don't know whether it was a result of it being 10 years away from the genocide, and so, you know, you have a bit of distance in order to assess, whether it was maybe tied to stuff like what was happening. You had the intervention in Iraq and Iraq and Afghanistan recently, and there was sort of like an interesting debate about how much of that could be classed as humanitarian intervention, or, or whether it was just that it was time to tell these stories. But you had, like, for example, on HBO, you had Sometimes in April, uh, which is a reference to obviously the fact that genocide began in April, but that for Rwanda, the April is associated with the the rain coming to water the crops and stuff. Yeah, they they have two dry seasons and two rainy seasons. I think. Yeah, um, and that one starred Idris Elba, for example. You obviously had Dallaire's book, um, which was Shaking Hands with the Devil, which then produced a documentary and a dramatic film uh, in in Belgium as well. And like it is. Like, I would argue Hotel Rwanda is an important, it's a vitally important film. It's, oh, absolutely. And it's it's hard to watch. It's stunningly hard to watch in, in part because it is, you know that a lot of it's true. And you know that the worst part of it is that a lot of it is watered down. And a lot of it is, is tempered and a lot of it because showing what actually happened uh, would be impossible in, in many ways, shapes and forms. Because you read the accounts of what and they're harrowing and there are stories and you get bits of that in the film like what you see in the film is shocking what you hear the characters talk about secondhand which is in many ways worse than what you actually see on film i think they it's do also, it they do it effectively yeah there is several kind of moments in the movie get across the kind of 
uh, while while not getting it across fully, certainly get it across enough for a cinema audience. Yeah, and it never feels exploitative, which is probably a good thing. It never feels unnecessary. It feels it all feels necessary, and it never feels gratuitous as much as anything like this could feel gratuitous. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would it would be very difficult to criticize. Yeah, if it were. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is. So, Andrew, had you had you seen Hotel Rwanda before? I had, I had. Um, I had seen it. I remembered liking Don Cheadle a lot in this, and 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 thinking that it was a very important and and I guess, as you say, harrowing movie. Yeah. Um, I I remember it as well, and it's amazing how what I remember are moments and scenes of it, which is is sort of perhaps a testament to the film's sort of power. I don't remember. I didn't remember that much of the story. But I remembered more scenes out of context and more images um, yeah. and stuff like that. Which And it's interesting, the images that I remember are not what you would expect to be the, the images that you would remember from a film like this. In that, like, I, I don't remember the graphic images as much as I remember the sense of foreboding and dread and anxiety that runs through the film. Um, there is a lot of that. Yeah. I suppose to tell people whether, whether to watch the movie or not... Um, it would depend a certain amount, and and uh, I I I believe everyone should watch this movie. Um, when it come when it comes to kind of like how 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 it's going to affect you or what kind of a mood should you be in, there are there are some light touches to this movie. Um, oh yeah, there are. Like I mean, a lot of attention played to the character of Paul. Yeah, and in, in humanizing him uh, yeah. in terms of like making him a character who you engage with. And also, this is a story um, about, to a certain extent, about hope and about the salvation of people yeah. um, in the context of this humanitarian disaster. Yeah, it is. So it's, so it's, it's th- that's, that's the most optimistic what, story you could probably what draw tell. the comparisons between this and Schindler's List yeah. is it's a story of, 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 of a man doing his best to... Um, under the circumstances yeah. to hold it together. I mean, like, I I would argue... I mean, this is this is something that I, I have when I... Like, as a, as a film critic, when you're dealing with a film that has to do with, like, important or, or weighty subject matter, which is, like, there's always difficulty in some ways separating the film from right. what the film is about. And, like, and separating even within that how the film is, is about what it's trying to say versus the quality of the film itself. Like, I... I think there there have been plenty of films that are important and weighty that are not great. And I would argue, say, Terry George, who directed this, who listeners of the podcast will already know as the writer of In the Name of the Father. Right. He's Northern Irish. He's very, very invested in Northern Ireland. He wrote a bunch. Like, he wrote The Boxer, for example, as okay. well. And stuff like that. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I suspect you can sort of see that in his interest in ethnic conflict, even in the film set outside Northern Ireland. Like, I think that you can draw parallels between the sort of strife in Hotel Rwanda and even in The Promise, which is about the Armenian genocide as well, which are all rooted in these ideas of, That's like, ethnic division. Well? Yep, ethnic yeah. divisions and colonial and strife. I, yeah, so so I've heard that The Promise isn't... Um, no. Yeah. The Promise so, isn't good, um, like you, but it's you important. Can, you can separate the kind of, like, importance of a movie from... From, the, from its quality, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And I think that this is a good movie. I think this is a very good movie, to be entirely honest i don't think it's a brilliant movie i don't think it's like one of the best movies ever made but i think if you were making a list and i think that this is the thing when you talk about the 250 like would this be on on my 250 in terms of like if i were making the top 250 movies ever made by by just by technical craft i i don't think this would make it but i do think 
it's important. And I do think it's it's good enough at being a movie that its importance deserves recognition. Like, I am very glad to see that this is a movie that people still think about and still talk about and still, like, you know, still yeah. consider to be an important movie 25 years on almost. And I mean, the, the um, I'm not sure, <laughs> I should know because I do a podcast about it, but I'm not sure how how the IMDb um, defines um, it, other, other, other than being the, the top, 250 oh no well, it's, it's just like, voted. It's, it's just, just by a vote yeah like it doesn't claim to be 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 the best so there's all sorts of superlatives that you could try and reach for for these movies so yeah. that the most important or the most beautiful or the most kind moving of, or the yeah, most like the personally saddest, relevant yeah the the yeah the most kind of delightful um these are all most enjoyable yeah yeah the 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 all of those things come into account when it when it's in terms of yeah. when it comes down to a person's opinion of a movie. Yeah, and casting a vote because yeah. it is basically, it is 100,000 people or however many people ticking a box between 1 and 10 and knowing only between themselves and the computer click. How are they judging what their yeah. What their basis What's is for What's important to them. Yeah. And I, I would say that this is a movie that is entirely defensible. And listen, in fact, I'm very glad to see on the list in that I think as a movie, it's quite cannily made in that it's, what George does and what George does that's very, very clever is he pitches the movie as a horror film um, in terms of its storytelling and its narrative and its construction. In the way that the movie's built, it's it doesn't feel very much like a biography or a historical film in terms of like a period drama. And I'd argue that's the problem with, say, when he did The Promise later on, which tackles similar subject matter. With The Promise, he tried to do like an epic, like old-fashioned Lawrence of Arabia sort of love story. And it, it didn't work in the context of telling the story that he was telling. And as a result, it sort of felt tone deaf. Here, he pitches it almost like... And it feels crass to invite the comparison, but to something like, say, The Purge or Assault on Precinct 13 or one of those kind of 70s horror films where you have the breakdown of society. And I'm talking about in terms of how he frames the camera, how he moves it through these spaces, how he creates this sense of claustrophobia and panic, how he like closes in on yeah. these people within crowds and how he builds this sense of anxiety through ending and cross-cutting. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to minimize or, or, or like dismiss or sort of like talk down anything the film's depicting but it, it classifies it yeah i suppose the d difference is that um for 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 a lot of the tension you you don't have the same kind of like payoff that you do that you do in a horror um as as, as in this 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 is a movie about a mass genocide but yeah. there there is a kind of a smaller cast of characters that you have to kind of invest in more as a kind of a um, yeah as an analog for 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 like the wider society yeah and I mean I, th I think that yeah the the movie actually has a really good sort of central metaphor which we'll talk about when we get to the war zone in terms of that society but I think even in terms of how it's shot like you get these like the first signs of trouble are like the bits in the horror film where it's like you know does the you know do the do the sexy kind of out of the corner of your eye that's it yeah do the sexy teens continue to go to the creepy haunted lake even after they've seen that weird okay, thing at the gas station should stop. <laughs> okay okay but you get you get what i mean there's a lot of peering a lot of looking there's a lot of people behind fences there's a lot of hearing noises in the distance there's a lot of like the way that the way that george presents the horrors is, is very cinematic in style i think that yeah. works very well in terms of the film so i guess the only thing left to do then is to say basically well 
we've already recommended would you watch it yeah. do you think it belongs on the list Andrew yeah I, I, I would I would something recently struck me that um when I when I when I was in when I I I think I had mentioned before that I'd been to LA recently and I the fir- first thing I did was got in a taxi and I was chatting to the taxi driver and I I I think I had a feeling that we might be covering this movie and the taxi driver was from Armenia and it made me think about what must it be like to come from a country that's best known for, for a genocide yeah. what what is it like for a random person where a Rwandan person says, I'm from Rwanda, the person they're talking to, the first thing they think of is the Rwandan genocide. And you can't say that. You can't say, oh, yeah, I know Rwanda. It's that place where that horrible thing happened. happened." It's it. But it's 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 something for us to um, to make ourselves aware of. And it's some it also makes me kind of hope for the futures of 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 these places, that these will become places that we'll know for other reasons. I mean, you could argue Germany in, in some way, shapes and forms. Yeah. Is, like, I mean, has, it, it will never move past. It will never not be the place where that orchestrated the Holocaust and where Nazism took root. But it will, in some ways, it, it's become more. It's become a lot yeah, more in the years it, since. It now has an identity that's um, not solely that yeah and it had an identity b- b- before b- beforehand but for a european kind of um our western audience what we know rwanda yeah for is the rwandan genocide and, and they, they it's thankfully a country where kind of well on 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 a number of indexes things seem to be improving in terms of like the life expectancy um, it's one of I think only two countries in the world where there's more representation of women in government, but there's still huge problems in Rwanda. Oh, there are. Like I mean, there's some argument that the the regime which is in place at the moment, which has actually done a huge amount to repair the damage of the the um, genocide. In fact, like again, we'll include some some material in the show notes if you, if you want to dig into it. But there are now villages uh, where reconcile where Hutu and Tutsi. Uh, live next to one another and obviously these these stories are anecdotal or whatever but there's some heartwarming stories about like tutsi parents now feeling comfortable leaving their children to be babysat with with like hutu relatives uh, where they know that the, the hutu relatives may have been involved in the horrible things that happened yeah and this sort of stuff but there is also and there's a sense of like civic order that exists in rwanda now that that wouldn't have been possible to imagine in 1994 but there is also like a criticism of the way in which the government has enacted these policies and, and made sort of made these things like they have community service there, which is, is remarkable. I think it's two days every month where entire communities basically devote themselves to like something the community needs. So whether or not it's building like a sewage line or it's digging like drainage or it's helping plant crops, like a community decides that this is the thing they want to do and everybody gives two days out of a month to contributing to that process, right. which is a wonderful way to build community. But there is also some criticism of like the government enforcing that by like, you know, taking names and sending people to prison if they don't participate and and that sort of stuff and sort of like maybe using rules that have been established to help prevent division, to prevent something like the sort of horrible propaganda broadcast which you hear throughout um, Hotel Rwanda, um, which are, you know, if anything, understated examples of what was happening at the time. But those sort of censorship rules being used to shut down legitimate opposition of the government yeah. as much as... And, yeah, and you also have 
23 years of the same government which 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 i suppose is not is not unusual in um in in africa um which um you um i believe you have the same is it the ANC government in South Africa since? Um, yes, although that may be coming to an end, I believe. It may be, yeah. But it was um, Zuma, isn't it? No, I I, you're thinking of. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you are right. <laughs> I suppose it's coming to it from from the point of view of another culture, but having this idea that um, that much power for such a long time can't can't be good a for good society. Thing. Where, for example. Um, you say that as if like suppress the, certain things, yeah. like 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 any um, accusation that the um, Rwandan Patriotic Front were involved in the shooting down of of the former president's plane. Yeah. There were there were there were certain reports of that in, I believe, France and Belgium, yeah. which which led to a um, cut off of of uh, diplomatic a, yeah. relations uh, at the time. Um, so yeah, it's very much um, a a a country now controlled. I I guess by well, yeah. speaking uh, as a person who who's not au fait with the the, the political maneuverings I of the, the point I would make on 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 this kind of like ignorance that 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 I suppose I still have, but watching this movie and knowing that I'm going to watch this movie and talk about this movie has made me. And I think Darren as well, although Darren is always very kind of well-researched on his movies, has made me look at these things and start to research, which is something that I'd like to kind of continue doing and continue kind of like reading about it. And I think that 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 can sometimes be an important... Yeah. Sorry, not to ramble too much. No. But it, an important role of cinema to open a person's mind... And to, to raise attention to, to, to something yeah. that they wouldn't have been aware of before. Yeah, or that they would, would have ignored or, or overlooked. Like, I, I wouldn't know anything about... And, like, I mean, the Rwanda genocide is, is a very dark and horrible thing. And I, I am unsettled by everything that I've read, as I should be. As any yeah. reasonable person should be when reading. I don't regret reading about it. And I don't regret knowing about it. Because I think knowing about it is a good thing. But, I mean, even beyond the Rwanda genocide, knowing stuff about, I don't know, the space program. Or, or knowing stuff about, like, the history of, of British politics. Or knowing stuff about you know, the, the colonization of Ireland that you learn through cinema, among other avenues, cinema being a hugely populist art form, yeah. a very democratic art form. Like, I would argue that's one of the appeals of cinema is that it opens up these worlds to you. And sometimes those worlds are deeply personal, as in, say, Moonlight, for example, where I can step into the life of, like, a, a gay African-American kid in Miami, which is very far removed from my own personal experience, but live that. And, and like, something like this, which is a huge sort of social, like, epic almost, and, and witness something that happened within my lifetime, um, you know, quite close to where I would have been at that moment in time. I would have been Ghana when that was happening. Um, but That's yeah, right, yeah. To, well, to, yeah, I suppose close relatively. Relative to yeah. where we are now. I mean, Africa yeah. is a continent, not a country. But yeah, this sort of, yeah, to, to see something in my lifetime and to think about it in a way that I wouldn't think about if we weren't doing this right now. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a good thing. And I suppose as well, um, it's important because history... And the past um, informs our present. And unfortunately, well, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, this uh, Rwandan genocide has had um, has had its consequences, both both positive and negative. One, um, I guess, um, 
You mentioned the two Congo wars, for example, yeah. which are raging across the... And, and, and also the, 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 the use uh, uh, of rape um, as a weapon, which, which has the further um, consequence of the, the, HIV. the spread of HIV. Well, I mean, the, 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 the Hutu famous, uh, not infamously, like released people from HIV wards and forced them to commit sexual assault in order to spread HIV into the Tutsi community. Like, the, yeah, That's the depravity horrific. involved is insane there is stuff here that i i would rather i would never have had to read but like i would just rather it had never been done to be honest but i mean yeah the the accounts of what happened are harrowing and i mean even stuff that this film can't scratch the surface of it's it is yeah and there's some reference to 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 that in the movie but but not to the extent that i yeah i mean it's it's uh it it like that it's 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 difficult to even conceive of these things, but I, I I suppose when it comes to the positive kind of aftermath of these things, you have um, things like the establishment of um, is it the International Criminal Court? Um, yes, I believe was well, so rooted in that and stuff like that, and genocide protocols and yes. stuff like that were set up. Um, and and yeah, I mean there is, and I mean even reconciliation in some which, ways which, between which which isn't really a. Um, uh, it's it's not a a, a a price that anyone no wants to pay, but it is a way of preventing, hopefully, these things from happening again, or or from, or at least to 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 prosecute and 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 punish people when these things do happen. Yeah. I don't know how you can possibly get justice for somebody who's done something these sort of horrible things. Uh, well, like I mean, you know this, that there was but, some. But there you go. There was some discussion about like how they would prosecute them, um, which I would argue is one of the more tone-deaf moments in, in United Nations history, where the United Nations, uh, when it was trying to prosecute people for their, you know, their, their involvement in organizing and orchestrating the Rwandan genocide, the Rwandan government asked that the UN consider the death penalty um, as part of their, you know, as part of their, their sentencing for these crimes. And the United Nations, which doesn't support the use of the death penalty, like not only wrote back and, and, and said and informed the Rwanda government that it would not consider the death penalty in these circumstances, it actually told the Rwanda government to t- remove the death penalty from their own justice system as well, which seemed horribly ill-judged in, in some way, shape or form. Like that's would not be the time to have that. It's one thing to say that you you don't support the death penalty, but to use a response to, you know, to, to somebody's criticism of your enacting of justice for a yeah. crime committed on their soil I mean, in order to I, criticize yeah. their justice I'm system. Not, I'm not a I'm not a cultural relativist. I, I do I do I do believe in 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 absolutes in, 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 cer- the, cer- in certain absolutes. Um, I mean, and, I wouldn't and, be a death penalty advocate either, no, to be honest. So I no, mean, so but 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 there is a time and a place for proselytizing. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But um, interestingly enough, um, and just before we go into the spore zone, it's worth talking about like Hoto Rwanda in terms of it as a prestige or important piece of cinema. Do you know that Netflix back when they were doing DVDs, when they're doing... Um, oh, I remember those days. Those were great. 
Yeah, well, did you? Are you actually a member of Netflix? Yeah, so they, I think they'd so. send back and forth and they'd actually send it's out either DVDs. Either Netflix or something similar. Which was basically the the first sign that the did Blockbuster, Amazon have a version? I believe Amazon had a version as well. But the idea was that yeah, you basically this was like you you post. It was great. You would yeah. you you get them in a post. You'd watch them. You'd send them back, and you'd get another few. Yeah, um, which was a really great system. This was before Netflix broke into streaming, right? And this was the first sign that like your rental video stores, like your Extravision, your Blockbuster, should have been getting out of the market. But what they found was that they compiled a list in around about, I think, 2006-ish. Yeah. So they went streaming in 2008. But they discovered that, like, the movies that people would rent for the longest, which they suspected was down to the fact that, like, renting them and not wanting to watch them, was they found that the two movies that people were most likely to rent and to keep out the longest, i.e. wait the longest to watch after getting them, were Hotel Rwanda and Schindler's List. And you can sort of, you can imagine why that would be the case, because this is not an easy movie to watch. No, it, it that that reminds me. I suppose this this is kind of off topic, but I remember Netflix being better when it was when it was DVDs. Really? As 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 in, there was a smaller range of stuff to stream, <laughs> and and then there was anything you could get um, on DVD. It seemed it seemed like every possible. Well, because it's a physical kind of, copy rather yeah, than media rights. Movie yeah. you you could you 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 could get via their postal service and then it was just like this same adam sandler is <laughs> on their streaming, on their service. streaming service so it's like and well, you wonder, once it all goes streaming i'm sure it'll be i'm sure they'll stop giving adam sandler money to make yeah, like eight movies still be an option for 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 the world's riches <laughs> just to get their uh, to, <laughs> to get their dvds yeah, delivered to like, them. yeah <laughs> but yeah, so Shin, so like, um, but yeah, Hotel Rwanda is apparently one of those movies that people rent and like set out to watch because it is a movie that's very worth watching. Well, when are you going to watch? But it's this very movie? tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. It well, is. like my the answer to to uh, for myself to that question is like when we land on Hotel <laughs> Rwanda on the two fifty. We should be we should be entirely honest here, like, and, and admit that like when. When we do the podcast, we occasionally record episodes out of sequence. Um, And occasionally, because of, like, new releases coming in or because of, like, holidays and stuff like that, we find an excuse to push movies back when we're covering them. So, you know, so, for example, you know, sometimes we'll do episodes back to back and we'll record them all in an afternoon and we'll do them, like, one week after another after another. But then there'll be huge spaces where we've landed on a movie and it's just sitting there and we haven't, you know, worked up the courage to record it and talk about it yeah. for quite a while. And that was kind of the case with this. This was. The last episode that we recorded was in 2017, chronologically speaking. Yeah. So the time that we talked about Finding Nemo was in like late 2017. So it did also We're take really us... really peeling back the curtain. <laughs> on, on, on this sort of, on, on the how this has taken place. But no, I, I just, I found that interesting because I... For, for, for our really big fans. I know. <laughs> I think it's an interesting thing to I talk about when you talk too, about yeah. these these sorts of movies because they are difficult to watch like it is like i i'm glad that we watched i'm glad that we're going to talk about it but i'm also i kind of dreaded it i was dreading watching it are we not finished talking about it <laughs> no, not yet <laughs> is we there haven't even got to the section of the podcast there is indeed okay well with that in mind then we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone spoiler zone so andrew what is hotel rwanda about for you well i guess most obviously um it's about the rwandan genocide but it's about a person's uh, reaction to that and, and, and the the kind of hope and the courage of this man, Paul, Paul uh, uh, Rusa Gabina. Sorry, I may have, I may have mispronounced his name. Um, it may have been Rusa Pagina. 
or maybe I had it right first time. Anyway, not not to undercut my point, he it, it, it's 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 the courage of a normal man. Yeah. In in extraordinary circumstances, and the the ability to I guess to overcome those circumstances and 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 to do something um, important and 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 meaningful. Um, I'm not very good at these. What is this movie about? Um, sections, but um, well, no, it, it's, it is. It's, it's very it, much about like. One of the things that I I talked a little bit at the start about what I liked about it being that, like, George borrowed a lot of the language of the horror movie in terms of how it's made. Yeah. But, like, one of the things I liked is that it's very thematically consistent and and sort of thorough. And it it has a thematic through line which works very well in terms of, like, its imagery and in terms of how it tells this story without minimizing it. Which is this idea of preserving civilization when everything around you seems to collapse and i mean that's why when yeah. i talked about horror movies i talked about stuff like say assault on precinct 13 or the purge it's this idea of like the breakdown of, of civil order on a, on a scale that is impossible to conceive but actually happened but, the, it, but the, the, for me this movie this movie is very clearly not a movie about how terrible we are as a uh, species. I feel like the focus in this movie is very much on Paul's character and his. What's well, on how some of us are exceptional and 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 courage and but I think there's a like a, a more profound point in that we can all like he 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 is he is a normal person. He, he yeah. He's an ordinary guy, like he, and he, yeah. he talks about it at the start, like how he's he is basically low down the the food the food chain, like he's dealing with people I, who earn more much mo- more money than he does. He talks yeah. about how like he, you know he, the money that it would cost him for a cigar would be a fortune to him, but the money would cost nothing to the person he give it to, but the cigar means a lot as a gesture. Yeah, and he's all this sort of like striving. He's a very much a social striver. He oh, aspires yeah. to be. But I I think he realizes as the movie goes on how little he is in fact worth. Yeah. In in some people's estimations, but what what we realize in the movie is that it doesn't matter. Is is it does as in it doesn't matter that others think he doesn't matter. Yeah, because he does matter to yeah. to to uh, to well, because he has to a put sort it, of... to put it in um, in a tongue twister. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has a sort of an inner strength that I don't think even he realizes that he has no. at the start. Like, I mean, and it's very difficult for him. This isn't easy. Yeah. We, he he breaks down. He, but he is he has to be the strong person because nobody else yeah. will. Um, exactly, which is the thing, and, like, and he has to step forward because there's nobody else. Yeah, um, and he he in 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 this movie he. Um, like he's a, he takes it upon himself to save all of these people. I don't think he takes it upon himself so much as like it's it's a thrust upon him and he responds. Upon him, there the uh, there is a point. Uh, there's a kind of a heartbreaking moment in the movie where he has the opportunity to. What? To, to to get out. There are with, several with, of with those. His family. There yes. Are, like there's a moment very early on where when he's driving up to the hotel and he's stopped by the guards and he he initially tries to buy the freedom of his wife and children. Oh, and yes. and yeah. then like he he seems like he's almost like he could almost reconcile himself with walking away, but he finds he can't, which is an incredible like moment in front of all these men with guns, in front of like all these people putting a gun to his head and telling him to pull a trigger. He. 
like knowing that he could walk away with his wife's and kids, he goes back and he tries to save more. And and it's very good because it initially kind of it initially kind of represents the desperation and the 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 kind of um, unfortunate or kind of like s- s- sad uh, reaction that people can have to these sorts of situations. In that, like, I'm going to just take. Um, my people my 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 people like er, earlier on in the movie where um his neighbor is taken away in the middle of the night um he says we well his wife asks him to like call in some favors and he says we won't do anything because i've been building up these favors for a very long time he's not our family yeah and 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 there's a point where 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 yes where 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 his entire house has um has has has, has become been, like a refuge. Yeah, where where he's considering just escaping with 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 his wife and 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 three children, and is yeah he's he's he as you say he's kind of he's kind of reconciled to that for a moment, and to to the kind of cowardly but entirely understandable, understandable yeah. um wish to kind of like. Either save your own life or save your, your immediate family, family's immediate life. family's life, and and then he he doesn't. And again, you point out there's a moment at the climax as well where he he's literally like they're ready to load him onto a UN truck to evacuate him, and he decides that he can't go without the people who yeah. sold the hotel. Like, and and that that goes to show how how wrong people are when when when. As in when, sorry, I'm not being very articulate. When 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 General Oliver says, kind of like you're you're dirt. Yeah. He, uh, people people don't. You're not even an N word. You're care. an African. Yeah, people don't care about you. Yeah. Throughout the movie, he just he demonstrates his dignity and his courage and his his canniness as well. Yeah. Uh, like it's not just a um, it's not like like it, it's it's. It's him using all of his wiles yeah. as well. And, I mean, and Oliver describes him as the smartest person and, in the country. Yeah. And you see several points in the film where he deals, where he doesn't deal with the problem directly, but instead deals with it sort of like, you know, indirectly. So, for yeah. example, when he's dealing he with, uh, with is enemies. It, yeah, is it uh, George, the, the employee who's yes. giving him trouble? So what oh, he no, does. No, no, uh, it's not. It's not George. It's. Um... <laughs> And we're back from the fact machine. I was actually talking about Gregoire. So when he's dealing with Gregoire, who's basically taking the opportunity of the Holocaust. <laughs> and, uh, Darren said Gregoire, and then I said Gregoire, and now it's become Gregoire. What? <laughs> it's, 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 it's become a very kind of pronounced Gregoire. Uh, Greg. Okay. So, <laughs> so when he's dealing with Greg, Greg, who has taken the opportunity of this horrible thing happening to basically instill himself it, in the presidential suite and to act like he owns the place and just like... It's a funny kind of a portrayal of Gregoire, Greg, um, because... Initially, it's like this thing. He's done what? He's in the presidential suite. They go up to 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 and he's there with these word. like kind of girls, and they're like, "Oh, Gregoire," um, <laughs> but it turns out he's a monster. <laughs> um, um, you act as if like that—that yeah. that was very thoroughly seeded. You could see it earlier on where he was just staring angrily at like. At, at everybody, at Paul, while listening to the, the Hutu power radio and stuff like that. You could see the sort of simmering resentment there beforehand. It's not as if it was like, oh, Greg hanging out in the presidential suite with his it bevy is, of hot it girlfriends. It is a kind of a boss move. But, <laughs> um, 
As I, somebody who's worked in like hotel uh, service, Andrew, did you ever aspire to just take over the presidential suite? Did I, did I ever aspire? Um, or, no, no, I was I was very. Um, actually, there's an interesting question. Hotel Rwanda as like a hotel worker. How do you feel it portrayed your profession? Um, I thought it was. I thought it was fairly accurate in in um, in 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 some ways. In 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 terms of like how have having having worked having worked in a couple of kind of places that kind of position themselves as luxury hotels. There's this very strong kind of emphasis on 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 needing to 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 maintain a certain kind of like level of of appearance and of service. The the the. The fact that it goes so quickly out the window is 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 interesting, but I suppose it's during a genocide, yeah. so um, it's it's it it becomes it becomes immediately obvious to Gregoire that there's that the old order um, has broken down, has now. broken down, and, and there are opportunities presenting themselves. Yeah, um, but <laughs> the inability of of Paul to <laughs> to get Gregoire to to go back to work and. <laughs> And leave the presidential suite is is incredible. Um, but I mean, to be fair, like Gre- Greg has basically the power to get like Paul murdered in theory. The, At least I mean, to that they, point, they each have the power to have each other murdered. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what I'm talking they, about. When you see like, when you see Paul's mind at work, you get to see him basically, you know, use the general. To bully, um, to bully yeah. Greg into going back to work, which is a very canny move. And then later on, he manipulates the general as well with talk about like being, you know, convicted of like genocide and war crimes and yes. stuff like that. Like yeah. Paul That's is very canny his... at like moving the board. He understands, and like even when he's talking to the guests about like trying to get them to reach out to people they know internationally, like he uses his hotel sort of like politicking, his sort of like the skills that he would have picked up as concierge to basically to say like you know. Know, treat them as a friend and basically reach through the phone and basically have them believe that if they let go you will die which is yeah, you know make very feel ashamed yeah and and that's a very canny like it's entirely accurate it's entirely fair it's that's, entirely reasonable it's a very clever application of like soft power almost. that's certainly something that i learned uh working in hotels the first job i ever had we had We'd sometimes come in on Sundays and part of the performance would be making them feel ashamed by standing in their doorway, <laughs> like making it impossible for them to close their door <laughs> without giving you a tip first. Um, <laughs> uh, See, I, the I, skills I, that you learn. Yeah, I won't mention the name of the hotel, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was something that made me feel more ashamed <laughs> than them. But it always worked. But yeah, like stuff like that, Paul is very good at using... money though. And using the resources that he has to get what he wants and, and, and improvising. And, like, he's a very canny protagonist. He's a very interesting protagonist. And, like, Cheadle's fantastic in the role. Because oh, yeah. not, not only do, like, you, you have this idea that Paul is, like, a very canny observer of human nature. And you get that even early on where you have stuff like his use of the Scotch, you know, the, the delivery of the Scotch, the general and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, which is very reminiscent of, of Oscar Schindler with yeah. his, with his uh, hampers for the... For the Germans. Yeah. Um, and you have this sort of like this idea of like how he works and how he's managed to where he fits in the, the sort of social hierarchy and how cannily he sort of navigates within the system that's set up. So that like even when the system collapses, you still get to see him move in that like 
at the same time, you have this like wonderful dichotomy where you have like Cheadle playing that capacity to manipulate people and to understand what people want and what people can provide with this almost doe-eyed innocence that we talked about when we talked about before the spoiler zone. Like Paul seems to genuinely believe that like, first of all, that his society won't crumble in the way that it does, but also in like the basic decency of like the West. He believes yeah. that he has a connection to like all these, oh, to, to all the white people, to his white boss, to yeah. the, the company, to the, the UN soldiers. Like he believes that they, not that they owe him anything, but that they are basically decent enough that if things get as bad as they're getting, yeah. that they'll do the right thing. And he realizes very quickly that desperate measures are, are are required the first thing he does is he he used to work at the diplomats yeah but is 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 is, is still able to 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 open the safe so it go, go, uh, goes back i suppose quite justifiably because yeah. it's a matter of life and death to um uh, essentially rob his, his, his former employer his former employer and yeah, yeah and um I suppose, but uh, again, the argument is if he didn't, somebody else would. And I mean, like, of in, course, in and, and 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 what he's able to to do is is save people's lives. Yeah, using using the stuff that he has yeah. there. Like, I mean, it is like it didn't even like, it, 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 and rightly so. It never occurred to him like not to do any yeah. of these things. Yeah, and I mean, and it is, and there's something very affecting in in Cheadle's performance. Like, Cheadle is is phenomenal in the role. I would argue one of the things like. One of the things the movie does very, very well in terms of construction is it plays this idea of the importance of, like, trying to maintain something resembling a, a civic order in a time of crisis. Like, the idea that the hotel is almost a society unto itself that, like, that uh, Paul protects and guards. Like, there's a repeated reference to, you know, how the hotel must be an oasis, um, yeah. In like a sea of and, storm, yeah, and they 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 also maintain the appearance of of it being a hotel, yeah. where it's very clearly a refugee camp. Yeah. So, for example, he makes he's sure that people bills. He's giving people bills. He's making sure the staff are still working. That the room service is still operating. That like people are still cleaning rooms and making beds. The first thing that he does when he comes into like the suite, like in the middle of the genocide, is to point out that the room is not tidy. This is unacceptable. Yeah, this is yeah, it's a disgrace. Um, um, and there is that sense that this is important. And it happens throughout the film as well. Like, one of the things I really like about Hotel Rwanda, just as a, as a film and as a piece of storytelling, is that as it goes, Paul gets repeatedly disheveled, sorry, increasingly disheveled. Like, so Paul puts a lot of premium in his appearance. And you even see that in the early scenes where he's wearing a suit and a tie. And, you know, he's sort of like, he's smelling a cigar is how he's introduced almost at the airport after meeting the pilots. But, like, as it goes, he struggles to maintain that level of, you know, sort of like tidiness and sort of that that appearance, that sort of appearance of somebody who but is... But he's still putting attention yes. to it. Like, like, like he, after a, a, a terribly moving scene... And the way they do it is 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 so shocking. Be, yeah. Be, 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 um, where he's coming back from George, who has become a um. Well, who has who has not become? He he always was a Hutu sort of leader, but he's used but the it, genocide to become this warlord almost. Yeah. So he 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 had become a a a leader of the local um. George uh, Rutiganda was the vice president of the Interhamway. The, um, which 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 was the, the 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 kind of local I suppose Hutu power kind of death squads yeah. essentially and 
George t- tells him, "Oh, on on your way back, go go, go by along the, the river because yeah. it's quiet there." Yeah, and and if and they end up as they're driving, it gets bumpy. Like it yeah. looks, and you know, at one point, at one point, Paul is concerned that um, that Greg uh, that Greg's basically drove and driven off the road. Yeah, um, until like the mist sort of clears and he sees what they've been driving on, and they've been driving on bodies. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's a terrible moment as well where they have to reverse back yeah, over the, the bodies same they've bodies. already driven over. But they, when he gets back to the hotel, he's quite kind of shook up, understandably, and and is kind of uh, 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 well. He notices he notices at, the at blood point, on his cuff. Is the thing he notices the blood on his cuff, so he goes straight away to have a shower and to change into another shirt. So he still has that. He's he's still like in spite of the thing he has just witnessed. He he's still kind of conditioned to to, What's to the try only and way main, to get maintain through, this um, appearance. I and mean, it's it's, it's 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 later on somebody tries to come into the room. Like he basically he has a breakdown when he can't put his tie on properly, which is an amazing. Well, first of all, Cheadle's uh, an amazing actor, so it's a fantastic yeah. scene. But like the idea of him, like after everything he's been through, like he's putting on the tie in order to preserve the appearance of order and structure, to put on a suit that allows pretend that yeah. everything's normal, and like he can't get the length of it right, and there's a he little put, bit he of puts blood. it on wrong at first, and and he kind of like almost kind of laughs at it and then takes it off and goes to put it on again and just... He can't. He, can't he, he, yeah. He can't make it happen. And because it, I think he realises the kind of absurdity of what he's doing in the face of what he's just seen. Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful, powerful scene. He rips the shirt off himself and he collapses. And again, somebody outside tries to come in to talk to him and he won't let them because he can't bring himself to be seen like this. No. And it, it's just, it's a beautiful powerful moment and it's something the film hints at repeatedly throughout which is this idea of like what paul did basically was to preserve something resembling civilization in the midst of absolute carnage yeah and 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 to be there for these people who have been uh, forsaken by so many yeah by 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 their own People, friends, neighbors, by the UN, um, yeah, by the international community in general, by yeah, yeah um, by everybody, it, and just to build a place where they can be. Like, I mean, there's moments where you get to see the children dancing, the children who are the refugee children who are taken from the orphanage, who are yeah. like having a little dance in the middle of the day, almost in order to. It's almost like they're trying to preserve something resembling a community mm. in the midst of everything that's happening, and, and you, you have you, this you, juxtaposed with shots of people sleeping in hallways. And you see it maintain. You see him maintaining it with his wife as well. Yeah. Where he t- he 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 romantic rooftop date. Yeah, he takes Tatiana up for a romantic rooftop date, and he talk. He tells her, um, he he he, had, he had, there, there's this kind of like funny exchange between the two of them where where he elects like a rom com sort of yeah thing. yeah where where it's like I've never told you this before. But the, the the I bribed the minister of health <laughs> exactly. to have you transferred so that I could date you, which is a very Rwanda meat cues. <laughs> <laughs> um, if 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 uh, yeah, I I I think if, if I were in a, a kind of a, a, a concierge corrupt, role, um, go, um, <laughs> a, 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 a nation in in the 
kind of seventies uh, or 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 eighties. Um, yeah, I would I would bribe the the minister for 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 health or to transfer or, a woman on whom I had a crush or whoever is the the relevant minister. I suppose. Yeah, it is. As in fairness, as far as as far as horrible things go, that's a very benign and cute example in the film. But I, all of this I, is happening. They, they make a joke of it being a Volkswagen as well. They, it's like, oh, what kind? Uh, what car? How did you bribe he him? Bribed using a car and she asked what car and he says a Volkswagen and it's a funny thing because he says it as if it's like it was just a Volkswagen so it wasn't a very nice car I there is a there is a thing that I noticed among kind of the Volkswagens are often owned by very kind of high status individuals it's often the kind of um, second car of these households there's a lot of German billionaires who own these kind of Volkswagens and if you're ever in kind of well-to-do parts of uh, of like Dublin Four, like Aylesbury Road and Sydenham Road, you'll see you'll you'll often see a Jaguar <laughs> and a Volkswagen. The contrast. Put, uh, par- par- parked in. So so like it it is. It, he it, got it, a nice second yeah, car. He, he, yeah, he got a nice second car for this, and I don't think uh, the the minister for health would have accepted anything uh, <laughs> yes. uh, less than a than 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 a Volkswagen. But um, um, it's 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 not suggesting that you got a bad car for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for this. But I do. I do, there, that was the detail I need to go into. How many yeah. cars did by the minister already own? We're, we're sponsored. <laughs> sponsored by Vol- a Volkswagen. Yeah. But um, and keep in mind that while they're having this sort of meek, cute, romantic comedy conversation on the roof, you're getting shots of it's this, a lot of this Heineken <laughs> product placement. Product placement. Sorry. But you're getting this sort of yeah. Well, this was yeah. This was around that. This would have been around the time that Heineken were really getting into because this Heineken also did Bond, right? They did the. Well, Daniel Craig Bonds that would have been the following year that would have been 2005 would have been Casino Royale right it's like Corona in the um, uh, Fast and Furious movies (laughs) but um, yeah but while they're having this conversation with their delicious Heinekens on the roof (laughs) laughing about like the delicious crisp (laughs) refreshing Um, while they're having this sort of like meet cute moment that George is juxtaposing this with the carnage that's unfolding. You're seeing gunfire rip through the city below them. And I mean, like, um, the hotel is actually open today. Um, it's it's still open apparently. Oh um, really? And you can apparently the rooms the rooms are have been refurbished and stuff like that. Obviously, the restaurant is regarded as one of the best um, in the city. Um, oh. And the view the view that they have in the film over the over the city is apparently the real life view of the hotel. Yeah. Apparently, it's the best place to go in in Rwanda to get the sort of the the view of the cityscape. Can, can you can you get fr- fresh lobster served in rancid lobster <laughs> shells? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are the questions. With cassava. But, but I, I um, actually that's a really. <laughs> I really like that detail because that's a nice bit of setup. It's basically yeah. watch Paul deal with a miniature crisis where he's dealing yes. with something outside of yeah. his control um, and watch him sort of turn that around in a very canny and clever way when there are no stakes so that later on when there are stakes, you'll get yeah. to see him do exactly the same thing. And yeah, then it's and very he, good storytelling. Yeah, and it, it's 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 him d- do, doing something. It's, it's kind of um, central kind of the uh, late nation's portion of kind of central africa so to 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 have lobsters yes. at all in well, in, in, they in remark- that far inland they're it's like oh impressive. you're really doing us proud yeah the generals actually remark on that which is quite impressive as well um and i mean like yes. let alone cuban cigars <laughs> yeah. straight from fidel castro yeah. yeah but i mean there's there's a lot in there you know actually there is some minor controversy over the film 
Oh, I'd imagine so. Where it's been suggested that there are there have been accusations in the year since in the year since about um, Paul's conduct during the um, during the genocide and particularly during the hotel um, while he was sheltering refugees in the hotel. It's been suggested, for example, um, that he tried to get money, uh, exhort money and uh, possessions from the people that he was trying to protect. And it's also been suggested it's that kind of covered in the movie. Well, in order to bribe the, the guards yeah. and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I couldn't find any evidence. I couldn't find anything beyond a few scattered reports, so I don't know how true any of this is, which is the thing. It's And he's still, like, he's still speaking and still lecturing, so yeah. I, would, I would assume that, like, any criticisms that there have been made have been somewhat answered um, yeah. in this respect. I mean, it would be a strange kind of a um, uh, accusation to, to level at him, it would, it would, it would yeah. seem. Like, like in, in the... In- well, it's it's been suggested, for example, like the scene where he takes all the the numbers off the doors, right? Right. Um, which is a very canny way of preventing, like if the if the militias come in and they they somehow have the room data that he's deleted, they're looking for names. They don't know which rooms are which, which is a very clever move. But apparently, one of the things that's been suggested that he may actually provided room numbers to the the Hutu militia, and the Belgians actually swapped the rooms. The Belgians removed the room numbers uh, in order to protect some of the guests. Has been one of the suggestions. Um, oh, okay. Well, I, I, I suppose they're only kind of accusations. Yeah. It, it, again, none of us were there. We don't know. It's yeah. So it's, and I it's, suppose it's it's like you have to ask the people who make the accusations. Kind of okay. W- w- what did you do? To, yeah. Um, to um, save one thousand two hundred seventy-two people. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So there's there's a bit of that. There's also um. It, it's it's it sounds like it comes from a place of jealousy. It's always like, oh, he thinks he's so great because he saved all our lives. Well, you know what? I've known some some bad things about him. Where this yeah. one time he tra- he tried to bill me for the time I stayed in his. Actually, that's another accusation that he tried to actually the bills that he he gave to the guests that he tried to get them to force them to pay them is another accusation that's been leveled at him as well which is uh that's an accusation that that you could level at many people who work in hotels <laughs> no, that represent people with bills <laughs> and ask them to pay um but yeah it's, it's it's interesting though that like when the film was made you know that he um he adopted he was a consultant on it was he he was indeed um and he... it was based on his book which is called an ordinary man which hints at the theme that you suggested earlier which is this idea that like he had no idea when it was happening that he would be in the position that he was in that he would do all the things that he would it have happens to do in stages yeah i mean it happens very quickly but it it it, it, it very we, clearly escalates we see in the movie the 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 kind of different stages of of engagement that he has with it up to the point where he lets his whole own own family go away up to the point where he rescues all of the people yeah and he sort of so like he his book is called an ordinary man and and it inspired the the telling of hotel randa interestingly enough he when the film was released he had raised um his brother-in-law's two children that's right um who you find at the end of the movie now there's there's some the the film sort of glosses over the detail because there's only so much space in a film to tell the actual story. Apparently, they spent more time in the refugee camp, um, and they also the children were a lot worse off when they were found in the refugee camp than they appear to be in the film. But the the children didn't know what had happened to them. He actually had to sit down uh, himself and his wife and tell their two adopted daughters what had happened because they were too young to remember any of this when the film came out because he didn't want them to find out 
Right. By virtue of the film being released, what had happened, which yeah. is quite a yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it doesn't it doesn't give away that much about um, about what did happen to them. Yeah, but no, no. But as, as far as they're aware, like they didn't even know they were adopted. They didn't even know they they thought oh, that Paul thought was their were, biological oh, okay. father, um, and and that his wife was their biological mother. Um, and basically, so yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting and sort of very affecting actually to know that like to tell this story, he had to actually have that that sit down that conversation with his family. Yeah. Um. And it is kind of it's interesting. Like it's it's kind of I guess what you were talking about earlier, which is like how you live with the legacy of something like this and the way that you are still dealing with this. Like ten years later, like Paul is still sitting down yeah, and dealing with like we we get some of that when we see um Paul's son is 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 one of the ear- earliest kind of um to be exposed to 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 the horror of this. He's ran next door to 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 try and find one of his friends who's a neighbor and you got to keep in mind we don't see any of this we just we just perceive the second hand comes back covered in blood and they're all hiding in the bush terrified um and think he's been hurt and they're all really glad to find out that he hasn't but he is covered in blood and completely mute yeah and he, he yeah and and that's the that's the carnage that wreaks on a person in in that how 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 do you express or process what just happened to the you? enormity other of the than scale of it. Uh, be, 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 become catatonic yeah. yeah and it, it it and this is something that happens to people when they go through these traumas sometimes it's not immediate sometimes it's years later this sort of post-traumatic sort of stress thing. I mean, like, that that scene actually is very effective because that's one of the ones that I think about when I think about the movie working almost as a horror film. It's the scene where they're, where he goes outside and he sort of crawl, and he sort of explores and the way the camera moves and the way it's sort of like... I I jumped and I think you jumped when, when he finds his son and his son screams. Because like, the son is very clearly there in shock. No, but... no talk of teens. Uh, no, no, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, but I mean, just in terms of visual I'm language, sorry, and story, it's very hard on you. No, no, it's entirely fair, um, and I because I don't want to be flippant. Um, I don't want to be flippant, but in terms of like in terms of how the story's told, I mentioned earlier like I had seen this years ago. I think I saw it when it first came out. I think I I rented it and watched it with my parents probably uh, when it first came out, and I remember certain scenes of it. And it's interesting because it's not the scenes that you would think about. It's not the scenes that you talked about where he's driving along the river embankment, um, that which is a harrowing scene and it's terrifying. The scene I actually remember, the one that sticks with me is the bit at the very start where he's gone to the, uh, where he's gone to the, basically to the, the wholesalers um, in order to buy beer and to buy scotch and stuff like that. Yeah. And the crate is being forklift, you know, the yes. forklift being moved and it sort of, it, it judders and it falls down and all, there's all these machetes in there. Yeah. And it's just, it's a wonderfully uncanny and uncomfortable sequence. Danny Trejo's. Um, go, go on. But no, it is. It, it's very unsettling because it captures, I think, like the the sense of mounting dread, the sense that something is not quite right here, the sense that like something big is coming. And I mean, you get a lot of that in the first act of the film. I think the first act of the film builds very well um in terms of like setup and in terms of narrative so for example like you have with the announcement that the president is going to sign the agreement with the tutsi you have the bit outside where the army generals are sitting out there and the militiamen are sitting out there drinking their scotch saying you know well uh, may the president get whatever he deserves and a toast yeah the the movie very strongly implies that it was a false flag um, Uh, operation yeah that 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 it was um orchestrated by 
by the um, well, go- I mean, government at the time, with, with the exception of the president himself, <laughs> yeah, who um, perhaps was not involved. Um, well, even, even Paul was, himself was, asked, why the would the rebels do of this? Burundi. Was he? Yeah, well, no, the president of Burundi was also on oh, the plane. Oh, killed on the, on the plane yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, and the prime minister as well was also killed when she would when she refused to basically condone the violence that was being committed as well. She was killed along with the 10 Belgian peacekeepers, yeah. um, which prompted the Belgians sort of to adopt a sort of a no-intervention policy uh, and a no-shooting policy. And, I mean, you see that even with Oliver later in the film when, like, in that really tense sequence where the trucks are surrounded... Which is a phenomenally tense piece of direction. And it is, like... And, I mean, it's almost crass. Again, like, this is when we talk about, like, it being directed like a horror film. It's almost crass to talk about something that's based on a true story as harrowing as this. To talk about in terms of, like, execution of storytelling and and in terms of filmmaking technique. But it's incredibly tense and upsetting and, like, gripping the the sequence where... Well, you you can do it right and you can do it wrong. And it it can feel like... like, um... That movie Fury, where you, you oh, the like, one with the, the Allied tank, basically. Yeah, where there's a moment where there's like a hand that's kind of like sticking out of the rubble, and it it was it just it 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 didn't it it, it got the the kind of tone all wrong. It it felt like it was meant to be kind of um, some like sympathetic thing where where. Where we would where we would engage on an, an emotional level, but yeah, it just kind of felt crass and exploitative, almost, yeah, and yeah. sort of cynical. Whereas, whereas, so like you you can do that and do it and get it wrong, and 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 where they're trying to express a certain tone, which I believe that movie Fury does quite badly. And, I and, wouldn't disagree too strongly with and, that. And, and this movie does quite well. Yeah. And so you do, like, the tense standoff with Oliver and the, the militia, like, when he's trying to protect the trucks, is incredibly well-directed and incredibly unsettling. And you also then have that very clever juxtaposition of, like, Paul hearing about it on the radio, like, listening to it as a passive observer. Yeah. And the fact that, like, he's been he's been our protagonist for most of the film, and he's basically, he's a witness secondhand mm. to it as well, which is, is very, very effective and very very powerful because in many ways that puts Paul in the position that the audience has been in for most of the film to that point and I think maybe that's is that something the film's trying to do is trying to move the audience from being the sign of passive audience that like Joaquin Phoenix talks about when he talks about you know you say that's terrible and you go back to eating your dinner to being yeah. a, an audience that's invested and engaged and it's it's a very masterful thing that a good filmmaker can do is play with kind of tones and perspectives like this like the way the way it plays with the kind of with the idea of hopelessness or um their 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 um for the nature of them as kind of forgotten and abandoned and and the way the way the movie plays uh with tone and kind of uh lifts it and lowers it it's 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 off. It's it's it. It almost kind of feels like somebody is playing music, you know. The the, yeah. the, the way the way it's it's it's, well, done. it's very well balanced. Yeah, like, I mean Rwanda, like Hotel Rwanda is very well balanced. Like we talked before we went to the Spore Zone about how movies that like people don't want to watch, and like this is understandable. Like every every single year, and there's there to be honest, there is a sense of and not to be clear, I'm not talking about this movie before Andrew gets upset when I when I talk about it, <laughs> but there is a sense like. Every year, 
there's a little bit of cynicism about movies about, say, genocide, about the Holocaust, that inevitably come out around the time of awards season. Yeah, because there's, there's often cynicism as well about sto- stories told about um, uh, minorities or, or, yeah. or um, like LGBT stories. People are like, oh, another gay love story. They're uh, only telling that story to win Oscars and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And there can be some of those... Some, some of those movies can, can, can uh, by, by virtue of their quality or lack of, can fall more 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 prey to that than others. Yeah, like for, it, like it shouldn't discourage people from making serious, earnest movies or, or about from engaging these kind them. of yeah um, about these kind of topics. And I mean, like the, we can point to any number of examples. Like Stephen Daldry is a great example of a director who makes the worst kind of these movies, where he does like he did The Reader and he did Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, think, which are both movies about tragedy that yeah, are I, I th- crass I think, and cynical. I whereas, think it's I think it's important to kind of maybe point out well maybe it's a kind of an optimistic view but i think anybody who's making these movies is setting out to do something very kind of meaningful and important and and in their minds the the most important thing to them is that they make the best movie possible um is 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 my kind of maybe naive thoughts okay but it's it's kind of like a um I, I don't know. See, I I would be I would probably be a bit more cynical with regard. I think there is a sense of awards fair that pops up when you're dealing with material like this. And again, to be absolutely clear, not talking about this particular movie and not talking about say Schindler's List or Kate Winslet, <laughs> just in general. cynical as we learned in oh, the, and extras. extras, yeah, yeah. But th- like, there is a there is a sense of that with some of the like Holocaust movies that come out, and there is in particular like some of that. Um, and like, I feel like there is. As a result, people are in some... Or maybe not as a result. Maybe just because people don't like movies about genocide, understandably. Because people see movies as something that's escapist. Something to escape into rather than to escape from. Like an idea that it's not a window into something horrible that happened, but a window into something wondrous that could have happened or that might happen or that you can imagine happening. Like, I think that... Like, like, like with... Um... Uh, uh, some, some of the X-Men movies with uh, Magneto... <laughs> For example, yeah, yeah, is is it, 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 like I think the different different versions of that story told with 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 uh, Michael Fassbender, are, Annie are, and McKellen, depending yeah, on him. So Brian Singer are very, did it. variously well done. Yeah. Um, depending depending on on the version in question, yeah. but I mean, like there is a sense that these sorts of movies, it would, it would seem like a crass move. Yeah. To to tell an Auschwitz story through a through a, a superhero a, film, through, yeah, but but I I guess that would miss the point of the the what a lot of these comic books were kind of setting out to do, which was to do these sort of stuff through allegory. Almost, yeah, and how how do you tell these stories to to to, to children? To, yeah, and I mean, there's also an element that these things are perhaps easier to Sorry talk to get about. Off topic. No, no, because I'm actually about to bring it back. Watch me do this. Uh, <laughs> But I was going to say, in relation to what I was saying, I think that those stories, not only do they work for children, those sort of allegories, um, they also work in some ways making these important things sort of uh, palatable to even to, to grown-ups or to adults or stuff like that. Where it's oh, a, yeah. like Because a, a lo- it's not just children who like comic books, is it? <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> um, but there's also a sense that like... It's the infantilization of, of American culture. Thank you, Simon Pegg. <laughs> um, but... Um, who also wrote Nerd Do Well, just to be entirely clear here. But there's a sense that, like, 
that this sort of like popularization or, or dealing with these things in popular culture through stuff like say X-Men or through like even allegories on say Star Trek or whatever is not the worst way of dealing with it. Star because, Trek 6, yeah, because, <laughs> racism in space. Yes, that sort of stuff is because like there's an awkwardness and people are uncomfortable dealing with it directly. Like I think that in some ways movies like say Schindler's List and, and Hotel Rwanda are a very hard sell because you imagine it's going to, and it is like, let's be honest, it is two hours of like reinforcing the worst that exists in people. It's a reminder of just how awful people can be. But I think However, one of the things, yeah, that's yeah. it. I was going to say, I think one of the things Hotel Rwanda does well, which will dovetail us nicely to a point we made about seven minutes ago, yeah. is that it manages to balance its tone yes. very well. In that you And you pointed out when we got to the smaller zone, like as much as this is a movie about the horrible things that people do, and let's be clear, that the horrible things that people do are not confined to a particular geographical location or a particular set of circumstances. There yeah, is you, evidence and survey... ethnic cleansing in, in, in Europe and, and at yeah, the and, same time in, in Bosnia. And... Yeah, and in Eastern Europe as well. But I mean, even, even stuff like, for example, experiments have been conducted, uh, the infamous Milgram experiment, the Stanford Prison experiment, but like there are arguments and, and there was a I was reading an article a couple of, and I'll include in the show notes a couple of months ago that was suggesting that you could find the population or the guards or the staff necessary to operate a medium-sized concentration camp in the average Midwestern in the average American town. I think they just yeah. picked the Midwestern town because of the size of it, so it's relatively small. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean I, I, it, it's disconcerting to think uh, that's uh, that ordinary people, on the other side of the coin would also be capable of such horrors. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd, I, w- I would, I would hate to think of the, the, the kind of circumstances that might make me kill again. But, um, like it, the, 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 the fact that it's in, um, but yeah, no, I, like there is, there is a lot of that to it. Like there's a lot of harrowing and seeing the worst side of who people are. And it's not even like, I- it's not even like the really awful stuff like when he goes to the wholesalers and he discovers this guy who set him up, himself up as a warlord with women kept in cages and stuff. It's even just small people like like Gregor who's basically kind of set himself up, like who's used this opportunity of mass murder in order to spend the night in the presidential suite with like this woman who he likes. Like there's this I... really worse aspects of people that sort of shine through in this. But I think you're right when you say the That's, tone is... Uh, it's the worst aspects of people, uh, not only shine through in this movie, but in this podcast. I promised I wouldn't be irreverent, and I completely failed. I'm sorry to our listeners. It's it's okay. I brought up the horror movie comparison, so it's okay. But I, I do think that like the film balances that, and I think it works very well. Because it understands... Hotel Rwanda understands about as much as it can get away with, I think. Yeah, and we talked about this earlier on when we talked about like if only I could understand. Sorry, go on. Okay, (laughs) but there there is an element of of that to it. Like we talked earlier on about how you could not capture the horrors of what happened in the Rwanda genocide. I mean, like the horrors of it. Like you have stories of people who were left to die in churches overnight with their Achilles tendons cut, knowing that they'd be murdered in the morning. You had like like reading about these. 
the the Hutu power radio, which you hear in the movie, uh, but which you don't hear all of in the movie, which was giving instructions on how to properly butcher pregnant women. You oh. have like all this stuff that like would not possibly fit. You could not possibly put in a movie and expect people to watch. But like Hotel no, Rwanda, it, it, would, it would just be too much. Yeah, it would it would it would be it would be another genre of movie altogether that I suppose yeah. doesn't exist where. And it would it would be self defeating because nobody would watch that movie, and yeah, so like, nobody would have their eyes open to this. Nobody no. would would have themselves sort of exposed to something Where, that they wouldn't see otherwise. Whereas this movie manages to tell a very yeah. difficult story in 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 a way that 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 just uh, about gets it right. I yeah. mean, for I mean, it's a matter of taste, but I feel like the way it balances these moments of horror with the with the Kind of um, with the story of decency and also yeah the the, the, the optimism in some the ways thing like... that comes through the most in this movie is this uh, character of of Paul and I suppose regardless of what people have to say about his, his regardless any, of the allegations any, that any moral, yeah. moral failings that's it's not the point it's 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 to tell this story um, about. About the human decency that is that is in everyone or accessible to everyone. Yeah, even I if believe. they don't think it is. Yeah, um, and it is, and there is something powerful in that in the belief that even in like the worst moments, even when things when people are at their absolute lowest ebb, when you are surrounded by a world that is tearing itself apart, that there is still some capacity for people to find human decency inside themselves. That, like, it's not just that people are, are awful and people are cruel and people are vindictive and people are waiting for an excuse to turn on one another at the first opportunity, knowing that there is something better and stronger and more robust inside. That, like, I think the movie captures that dichotomy very, very well. Yeah. I think it really does. I think it, it, it lands it, it pretty much perfectly. And it balances its tone spectacularly well. Like it is it is a hard movie to watch. Like it's it's not an easy movie to watch. There are moments that are unsettling and uncomfortable as they should be, but it never feels gratuitous and it never feels like a movie that you couldn't show to um your grandparents or to a child in their teenage years possibly yeah like it never feels like something that excludes an audience member who probably you know should know that this was something that happened you know in the same way that we should know that something like the holocaust happened because it should be pointed out like you know we are living in an age where these things are passing from living memory and where we're living in a world where people are you know denying the fact that these sort of yeah. things ever happened like I I think that telling these stories and telling them in a way that's accessible is a good thing. And this, uh, I suppose, this this is also a story in part about, at least in in the way the movie, in the way the the film tells the story, it's a film about race. Yes. As well. In, In that these, well, part of it is that these things matter more when they happen to English speaking uh, white people. Yeah. Um, and 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 in the movie, there is an uh, evacuation um, of the hotel 
but only um, insofar as it concerns the European um, guests. And yeah, there's a, there's so, a great so small touch the where the foreign black, nationals. There's a great small touch where the black cameraman who's working with the BBC is actually stopped and has his passport checked, whereas the white uh, the white reporters are just waved right, right through. Yeah. Which is and it's nothing that nobody says or points out what's happening, but it's a nice touch that you see. It's very well observed. Yeah. And I mean, even even then, there's like the, the situation that we talked about at the start of the podcast. And there's the separation as well that happens when 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 the the aid workers and their their service users are are are, are coming in yeah. to 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 the compound and the aid workers themselves the the white kind of priests and nuns and nurses are being pulled uh, away pulled pull, pull, um, to safety while while all of their uh, patients and students are are being taken um Left at the hotel, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, for God knows what at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, there's a lot of that in there. And I mean, I think even this idea of race plays through in, in like the the emphasis on the false division that exists between the, the Hutu and the Tutsi. Like there's a yeah. there's a moment where Joaquin Phoenix is sitting down and like having this situation, the ethnic situation explained to him, like for the benefit of the audience at home who haven't Googled this before watching the movie. Like it was very useful to me when I was watching it for the first time in 2004. Yeah. Um, and it is... A, it's very succinct and it's very effective. It doesn't go into you know quite the level of depth or whatever, but it gets the point across quite quickly. When I don't when, know if it gets it across uh, quite um, effectively enough because well, think there's the moment where, where Joaquin Phoenix he, looks he at, does say they 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 could be sisters or they could be twins. I, yeah. I, 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 I do, but there is like because it's a white uh, character saying that it doesn't kind of have the same weight because it, it it's it. It kind of comes into this thing of, of oh the stereotype that yeah that all black people look like the, the racist stereotype that yeah, white people yeah. say you know where where um where it's the the African characters in a movie explaining that this is a, a racial division yeah well you know that uh, in- not not saying oh that it's um that it's a a, a, a tribal or a or a division of clans or yeah. socioeconomic. Um, circumstances. Well, I mean, there there are cases, and they I mean, do talk about how the Belgians kind of um, classified it. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean, there is a there is an argument to be made that like in some of the stories that that I've read about it, um, you have like Tutsis that were able to convincingly pass as long as they weren't asked for ID. Like that, right. that the militia couldn't actually tell the difference themselves without looking at the ID cards and stuff like that. That it is, it is very much an artificial division that exists. And I mean, it is something that's interesting when you hear, when we live in a world where like racially motivated divisions are becoming increasingly common. And particularly, you know, with regards to ethno-nationalism being on, on the rise in the, the West, you know, in sort of in, in Europe and in the US and stuff. And you have this idea of like ethno-nationalistic states. But you have this idea that like race in many ways is is some ways an artificial division like we had the cheddar man who was discovered what uh, a week ago two weeks ago that's right who was the um, first great Briton. name for for an early man <laughs> yeah but he was uh, he was discovered the first Briton, uh, allegedly um and his his skin he's he's very recognizably black if you yeah. look at his skin 
Um, and they're you, expecting a white cheddar man. Yeah, or at least an orange cheddar man. Um, but yeah, you have this idea that like that is how crazy the idea like of divi- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, of dividing uh, people based on this idea of of races, like um, that you have like as a biological construct. Obviously, race as a social construct is a is a different thing, and that very much exists. And there's arguments about culture and stuff like that. But in terms of race as a simple biological construct, is is really really horrible flaky science that doesn't necessarily like hold up i think um to the point where it's you... sorry a biological construct uh, no a social construct right, uh, right, uh, right. and sorry. a cultural construct yeah, as opposed to a biological fact yeah so yeah as right. opposed to like distinguishing and, and clearly delineating based on biology which is never clear it's never like this idea of racism as like a clearly delineated boundary that exists between races of people which is Never looking at the evidence, never as clear as it, yeah, as people seem to act like it is. There's a lot of arguments, I, I guess, in 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 the whole kind of like culture war that we that we have. Um, if, if, um, unfortunately, in we we tend to think of it as this thing that's kind of happening in America, but it's in this country as well, and yeah. this country is 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 Ireland. But um, the view that i'd be sympathetic to is 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 that we're we're one race we're the we're the human race yeah um it, and and as um i mean the, 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 we 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 find ways of creating divisions um between ourselves often to kind of well to prop up you know to um yeah or to s- s- scapegoat certain people or to 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 explain why we don't have the advantages that we think we should uh, we should have is that they've been taken away from us and by this other group and to also to even to prop ourselves up on a wrong like i mean was that great quote from from martin luther king where like the his argument was that one of the origins of racism in the united states or one of the key causes of, of racism in the united states was the belief that even the poorest white man could believe that he was better just by virtue of being white. It's the American dream. Um, Just come to America where you'll immediately <laughs> be higher class than wherever you're coming from. Uh, by unless virtue of you're being, black. Yeah, by virtue yeah, of being if white. If you're a white person, you this is where you, you, you can come and immediately be like a few rungs higher. So thank you for joining Darren and Andrew talk about race. But no, I, I Li- think... Liber- liberal cutcasts. Yeah. Um, but I, I do uh, think... Um, snowflakes. But I do think that the film sort of touches on that quite well. And I think that like the, the way in which it deals with the division between the Hutu and the Tutsi kind of captures that. And I wonder if there's an element of like George who worked on the screenplay and directed it, whose interest is Northern Ireland. He's Northern Irish as well. He's written many movies about it. And I wonder if there's an element of that sort of playing through his, his interest in these sort of ethnic conflicts, like with, particularly the Armenian genocide in The Promise, say, for example. Right. And like, if there's an element of like touching on, say, the, the ethnic divisions that exist in Northern Ireland as well, Northern Ireland having its own... Yeah, at, le- at least at least Armenia has... I think Kasparov is from there. Um, the Kardashians. Guy Bilzerian, Oh, yeah, they are maybe. indeed, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Ru- Rwanda, unfortunately, is... is Largely defined, unfortunately, by yeah, which is a shame because it it like culturally there's um I believe there's a great kind of a musical tradition there. I mean, um, I, <laughs> one could say that about about uh, about a lot of countries, but I believe that's the case. And and it, it would it it is a shame, I suppose, as I said at the beginning, that when we think Rwanda, we think Rwanda genocide. We immediately think of yeah, which is a which is a shame. But anyway, so with that in mind, then, is there anything else you want to talk about when you talk about Hotel Rwanda? 
anything else I want to talk about? Well, I've written nothing down. Um, <laughs> so, which is probably like the best way to experience the movie. Is. To be I honest, it's is. like I, I think I think that like it's again, it's a, it's a historical movie. I would argue that with most historical movies. Like, the best thing to do is to let the movie sort of wash over you rather than try and process it. Because there will always be a more accurate account you can find, whether on the internet or in a book, yeah. that will offer a more in-depth or thorough analysis of what's happening. Whereas if you're watching a movie of a historical event, what you really want to capture is an emotional response to it, I think. I did like the use of Scotch as currency. Um, <laughs> well, particularly and... the, the Irish the or the Celtic translation, The Water of Life as well. Oh, yeah. Ishkabaha. Yeah. Um, and golf. I did like that the, uh, yeah. I'm the... also very proud of us that, that, uh, that, that, uh, or proud of myself that I, that I didn't make any, um, attempt to sound like anybody in the movie, except for Nick Nolte. Yes, yeah, um, I feel like Nick and, 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 and the, yeah, but no, 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 no particularly, accent, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I... shall it remain. To be absolutely <laughs> let's, 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 let's end the podcast uh, now. I don't know about that, Andrew. Um, good old Nick Nolte, suitably gruff as well. And I feel, I feel like I'm we sure give... going to do something else there. I feel like we give Nick Nolte a bad time. He seems like, he seems like a decent uh, sort based on the movies that he's just... What the... What Scottish, are you what, is this Nick Nolte playing, playing the first round of auditions where he's cast? He came in here right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I was just listening to this on my car. <laughs> yeah. and I, I, I just had to come in here and confront some of the things you've been saying. I'm like, what are you saying, Mr. Nolte? I actually, I love Nick Nolte. I should be absolutely yeah. clear. We we do love Nick Nolte on this podcast in case he's driving by in his car yeah. and feels the need to come up here and yell at us. But no, I, I, he's very good in this role. He's very yeah. good as at all as Oliver in and like the. He's also he's, very good in a Kiss Mary Kill with some Gary Busey and Christopher Walken. <laughs> I don't know why, but what? <laughs> I find it very easy to put Gary Busey and uh, well, okay. and, and Nolte okay. uh, together and like why, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I think Busey I used to confuse. Insane. I know. I used Nol- to. Com- Nolte is just gruff, right? I, I used to confuse okay. the two of them, and and I was uh, like thinking, who would who who who? Yeah, who, who else would go in that yeah. tree? Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> Who's inspiring. going to be the Mary of those three? Let's be honest here. I do like that now we've stopped talking about uh, about Hotel Rwanda. We can sort of, it's like we pent up all our immaturity. All right, I'm going to go now. I've got no idea what you're talking about. All right. So let's take a look at what's come in and out. It's been a while since we've done this. It's the oh, in and out. difficult to do. <laughs> I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, God. Oh, oh. And that's don't, the reason don't, don't why try we. This at home. That's why we haven't done it in a while. It's the in and out chart. It's not what you think. So let's take a look at what's come into and gone out of the IMDb in the past month, right? Because uh, it's been a while, a while since we've done this. So four new entries and four lost entries. So let's take a look at what's dropped out in the past uh, in the past month. So Lagan, once upon a time in India, has been out, although that's been in and out quite a bit. Yeah, we've we've, we've covered it as well. We have indeed. Uh, Fanny Fanny and Alexander, the Ingmar Bergman uh, film, has dropped out. That's been in and out as well. They're both sort of like they're both on two forty nine and two fifty uh, within the past you know month. So it's I suspect you'll see them bouncing and out in the next little while. Uh, Money Ba MBBS, which is uh, an Indian uh, comic. Money Ba. Money Okay. Um, 
MB. I'm, I'm not saying that with any authority. I'm just saying how it, how it looks uh, to me. Which is a, an Indian comedy drama about a doctor, I believe, um, which has been... Uh, it's funny some of these Indian comedy dramas look like they could easily be on the... They're from the poster. They could easily be from the bottom 100 yeah, as well. They do. They look like Adam Sandler movies in some way, shape, yeah. or form. It looks like you could paste Adam Sandler onto the poster and it worked just as well. The most significant drop over the past month has been Thor Ragnarok, which went has dropped all the way from 215 straight out of the pod straight out of the list which sad to see well i suppose it was inevitable though it's like it's yeah. it was always going to be a short-term stay but i believe on the on the foundations of this <laughs> that we'll be able to build <laughs> to build a new world <laughs> of inclusion and uh, oh no it's gone. <laughs> it's um, gone it's gone it's gone <laughs> but yeah you can see looking at the list it actually dropped off quite sharply uh, in the last week of january it was sort of steady and then it had a very sharp decline a very sudden and it's interesting when these things happen the same thing happened with uh was it the force awakens after we did our episode in the force awakens it dropped out in the next 24 hours <laughs> well, I think which is us yeah. <laughs> that's that's our linking have we ever have we ever pushed the movie up oh we we have actually some of our movies been climbing quite a bit prisoners uh, which was our very first episode, has been climbing quite a bit. So we'll take credit for that. Yeah, so um, maybe it's a cycle. Yeah. Where eventually, like, you, you, you go up. So the next one to go up will, <laughs> will, will be uh, in the name of the father. Yeah, and then eventually we'll sort of move on to Jaws, although Jaws seems quite stable as well. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so with those four gone, we've had four new entries. Um, Dog Day Afternoon, which has been... It dropped out, actually, for the first time in December. Um, it's one of the movies that has a 100% recurrence on the list. Incredible thing about Dog Day Afternoon is... Well, not about Dog Day Afternoon, but about one of the uh, actors in that movie. I, I think it's the case that he's in, like, four or five movies. And, and they all, they all got yeah, nominated for Best Picture. Those movies are, like, Dog Day Afternoon... It's uh, it's John Cazale, right? Yeah, I feel who has a like phenomenal record. He's married he's to in Meryl Streep. Deer Hunter. He's in. Um, he's only been in eight movies, right? Eight so let's movies, let's count these right. down. The American Way, which is a short, so we won't count that. He was in NYPD, which was a TV show for one episode, so we won't count that. His first feature film role was The Godfather, playing Fredo. His second, hey, Fredo. <laughs> Fre- okay, his second big screen role was working with Francis Ford Coppola on. The Conversation. Then he was back for... The Godfather Part 2. Then he made his appearance in... Dog Day Afternoon. Then, um, after appearing in The Godfather Saga, edited for TV in four episodes playing Frido Carleone, um, <laughs> he appeared in... Fredo Corleone is the guy on the cover of the chocolate bars. Yeah, that's that was the branding. That was the best he could do. I was passed over. Yeah, Yeah. it's like okay, you get to be on the frogs. Yeah, yeah. That was sort of the uh, the. And then he was in the Deer Hunter. Yes, I believe he may also have been married to uh, Meryl Streep, but I'm just going to confirm that using the fact machine. Yeah, he very famously he passed away from bone cancer as well, which was very very sad. Um, he, yeah, yeah, he, his co-star and girlfriend Meryl Streep threatened to quit the deer hunter if he was fired. He was sick at the time. He, so he knew he was dying when he filmed the deer hunter. Oh. Um, but it is, yeah, he, it's a remarkable, uh, remarkable filmography. Um, and yeah, I think that's something like six, all six of the... Did he die in, in he, 19... 
1978, uh, I believe. Really? But we'll just confirm there, yeah. Oh, well, that's why he was in so few movies. Well, I mean, to, I guess. he was I, also I, I a stage actor. He had been in very few b- b- beforehand. beforehand. He'd yeah. just been very lucky in the movies. Not very, I don't want to say very lucky, because that's well, it's condescending a, it's and dismissive. It's an incredible um, um, CV, basically. List, list, list of movies. It is. I mean, six Best Picture nominees, and yeah. I think something like four winners, possibly, in there. Yeah. Um, so that's, like, an incredible accomplishment as, as an actor. Um, but anyway, also coming in, we had PK, which is the the Indian film starring yeah, again, uh, Amir Khan. One that comes in and out a lot. Yep, that's been in net a bit. We have Trois Thank you, Andrew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Darren did it right. I just I just t- think it's fun to say Trois um, But yeah. oh, sorry, oh, sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> kind of. It, which yes. Is, which is one Three of those. Red. Which is one of those movies that I'm actually disappointed we're not doing a list just in for it because it's it was been it was in the original list in 1996 has been sort of in and out over the past over the following sort of 20 years. Yeah, you, you um, li- listeners will get to hear some some dis just ins of of movies that 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 aren't in the theaters currently, but are in the theaters. 20 or 30 years ago, are, <laughs> yeah. are, are, are three or four. Yeah, some, some sort case. of difference as yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, the latest new entry is The Legend of 1900 by Giuseppe Tornatore, uh, the director of uh, Cinema Paradiso, which I think That's is... Right. We've mentioned this before, because it was in and out um, back when we started sometime in, like, April 2016 as well. Um, it's been sort of bouncing around. It's actually gone up quite high. It's up at... Uh, La Legenda del... Pianista Soluciano. Which I'm fairly sure doesn't directly translate as the legend of 1900. Unless Pianista (laughs) Soluciano is Italian for 1900, uh, in which I suspect it may not be. Yeah, the... The The legend of the ocean pianist. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a branding name for you, right? Yeah, I suppose they felt like in English, for some reason, that wouldn't really go as <laughs> well. the same poignancy. Um, it stars Tim Roth, actually, as well. I'm kind of yeah, curious to check this out. There is a movie called The Pianist, which, which... Which which is also on the list. Yeah, and it didn't seem to kind of um, think consider it would be a problem. So well, it, it is a Holocaust movie, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. So I feel like you can't really make dick jokes about a Holocaust movie. You can't. <laughs> but, oh, boy. <laughs> Have we learnt nothing from the Hotel Rwanda podcast? Clearly. Okay, so I guess the only thing left to do before we wrap up then is to pick the movie that we are going to cover next week. So, Andrew, would you do me a favor and crank up the random number generator there? Let me just... I told you to oil that. All right. Jeez. Okay, fine. It's your turn to get the oil. You, you do realize you have to do it once before I... Okay, anyway, never mind. Who's going to get the oil? All right, so let's let's pick a random, random number. Warm it up there, Andrew. Random number generator. Twist, twist, twist. Show us a movie on this list. And it's number 19. Ooh, this is exciting. This is Akira Kurosawa's The Seven Samurai, or Seven Samurai from 1954. Which is cool. It'll be the second Kurosawa film that we'll be covering on the list. It is one of the highest entries that we've covered. We all, we covered One Fell Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which was just a little bit higher. Uh, but yeah, it's, so it's... Yeah, so we'd previously done... Ran. Ran. We did Ran. Yeah. And I'm excited to see this because I haven't seen it before. I've, I've seen like the likes of you know, Jimbo and Rashomon. Ran, obviously, that yeah. we saw together. Um, Ikiru, which I believe is also on the list. Yep. Yeah. 
There's Sorry, this, and this is like the best known. Yes, and it's the the highest ranked, obviously, highest of, ranked. of Kurosawa's yeah. films, and the highest ranked Japanese film as well, I believe, as well. So um, I'm going to see if I can dig up a trailer from 1954. And that's the uh, the result telling me that uh that's yeah that's we're the, just in. We should turn turn off the random number generator. It's making noises. Let's watch the original Japanese theatrical trailer. Two more to guard the rear, no matter how frugal our estimates. We need seven, including me. A film by Akira Kurosawa. Tell me, do you feel like cutting down 30 bandits? Toshiro Mifune. Izao Kimura. Yoshio Inaba. Takashi Shimura. Minoru Chiaki. Seiji Miyaguchi. Daisuke Kano. And those circles, those are us? There's only six, you're leaving me out. No, this triangle, it's Lord Kukichuni. That's a good one. <laughs> Thrilling scenes that will live in movie history forever. Everything's riding on this battle. Original uncut version with remastered sound. Towering masterpiece of Japanese cinema. With Akira Kurosawa's magnificent epic, the excitement that shook the world returns to the big screen. So that was an interesting trailer. You may have noticed that, that um, it's possible that you notice some some very bad dubbing, or it's possible that you notice a trailer that doesn't really work in an audio <laughs> medium. medium. Who would have uh, thought that? Yeah. So, so um, I'm interested myself to to, to see hear how, how that trailer some... turns out. Yeah. Um... Yeah, you haven't seen the movie, so I won't say too much. It does seem like a lot of stuff comes from the last hour of the film, which, as I recall, is a very insignificant portion of the film overall. It may be a long one. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I'm excited to see some Toshiro Mifune. Um, they really Takashi sell him. Shimura. They really they, sell Mifune. And, <laughs> it, um, if, uh, if, if, if you are listening... If you are listening to, to the version of the trailer that we've dubbed over, 
it becomes more difficult to say the people's names as as they become more supporting characters. Because there's the f- a lot of time given to Ka- Takashi Shimura and Toshiro Mifune. Um, Where's there less time to some of the, the other, other five? Ca- the other yeah. five samurai get sort of like bang, bang, bang bullet point summary. But yes, yeah, so I'm I'm quite looking forward to that. I haven't seen it in ten years. I'm sure it'll be great fun. In the meantime, Andrew, if people are looking for you online, where can they find you? A Q U I N N I U Q A. You can find me at- on Twitter. You can find me. Just at- don't 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 look for those words. Uh, do, don't don't Randomly look for those letters. Kind of like this isn't a a beautiful mind type thing where you take them out of a newspaper um, and sort of conjure Andrew into existence. Yeah, this isn't like an acrostic puzzle um, yeah. for life, unless unless that's your thing. In which case, like seek medical help. But uh, where, where where can people find you, Darren? Uh, on Twitter at Darren underscore Mooney. They can also find the podcast at, at the 250 spelt using real letters. Uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, wherever good podcasts are. Not sold, apparently. But uh, if you like us, uh, please give us a rating. Feel free to share. If you like us, tell everyone. If you don't like it, tell Fight us. Fight us. Okay, or do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we step to us. Step up, eh? Try it, or step off. Okay. Uh, With that in mind, Andrew, having decided to confront the entire listener base, take it easy, guys. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Keyboard warriors. (laughs) (laughs) Keyboards are dangerous. They got lots of pointy bits on them. They do. They do. Those little prongs go everywhere.